Welcome to the sermon podcast of Gamble Street Baptist Church, Fort Worth, Texas. Gamble Street Baptist Church has been sharing the gospel for over 100 years. This podcast includes sermons from our traditional Sunday morning service and our contemporary services on Sunday evenings. We hope God speaks to you through this sermon. opportunity to gather together tonight to come before you, to learn more about you, to seek you, and to seek your face. Lord, I pray that you would speak through me tonight, uh, that the words I say may be your words being conveyed, and may we hear your words and all that is said tonight. Uh, may it be your truth, and what you would have us to hear be spoken. It's in Jesus' name we pray, by way of the Spirit. Amen. And so, with hearing God's word, uh, if you would, go ahead and turn to 1 Corinthians 12. Uh, We're going to be reading 12 through 27. Um, And so, if anything, I want you to hear God's word tonight. So we'll start with that, and then we'll get into uh, some of the other part. The title is A Still More Excellent Way, which is at the end of chapter 12. That leads into the love chapter, as it's called, that you heard Chris read a portion of earlier. Uh, that might sound very familiar in weddings. Um, so if you thought you were at a wedding tonight, I'm sorry to disappoint. First um, Corinthians 12, starting in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though are many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free. And all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think are less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that all the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So this is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth, which is a relatively new church at the time of his writing. Uh, He helped found it, and they started off doing things rather well. They were seeking God. They were following uh, the commands of God and things like that, but not too long. Things of the world started to enter into their, their, their churchly devotions, into Uh, what it is that they were practicing. And so Paul addresses these uh, in his letter, and some of the many 
uh, issues that were going on at the Church of Corinth was, first and foremost, there's division. People were bragging about who their teacher was or who they liked to listen to more. Um, there was some sexual immorality going on in the church that was not even to be named among the Gentiles. Um, so they were um, going about and doing crass things that weren't of people of God. Uh, people were fighting amongst themselves and having lawsuits among each other and taking it before worldly courts rather than just settling it amongst each other. Uh, they had mis misconstructions. Uh, <laughs> the word escaped me. Um, they, they were not fully um, in line with the proper thinking as it relates to marriage and relationships and what they are to do with unbelievers that they are in relationship with. Uh, there is a matter of uh, consciousness and issues with food sacrificed to idols um, and whether or not they should follow Jewish laws since Christianity came from the Jewish practices. Um, and the other parts of practices that they had disputes about were things about head coverings or the Lord's Supper and how they should practice. Uh, but chapter 12 starts off about some fighting about spiritual superiority. Some thought they had spiritual gifts that were better than others. They tried to overuse their gifts or use it more than uh, that they were expected to or more that they should have uh, and tried to lord it over the, their fellow church members. Um, and so what Paul does in this letter is he goes through these different um, difficulties that the church is having, these problems and these worldly practices that they have, and he helps correct it by teaching them proper doctrine. He reminds them of the gospel. And so in response to the division amongst the people, he was showing that God's wisdom is not earthly wisdom. And no matter who your teacher is or whatever you, you like to boast about, God is the only one we can truly boast in because God is the one who gives us anything whatsoever. And that no matter your circumstance, God should be glorified in all of it. And he's the reason for the position you have, and he's the only one uh, for which you can boast in, as chapter 1, verse 31 says, is that let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. As for the immorality, Paul tells him to cast it out, purify the whole church, get rid of all sexual immorality, glorify God with your body. Uh, as uh, he says in chapter 6, verse 20, that your body was bought with a price, uh, so glorify God in your body. And then... And pertaining to them having lawsuits with one another, resolve the difference in the church. Like, don't take it before others. Like, why not be wronged if somebody has wronged you, if it means showing them love and, and just being able to have fellowship with one another? Uh, as far as the, the relationship issues people were having, Paul tells them to lead the life that, to which they were called. Don't go seeking something beyond what you are, but rather, as God has called you, Fulfill that purpose. And you should seek God wholeheartedly in whatever it is that he has called you to. So in pertaining to people having issues with uh, the law and whether they should follow it and whether or not they should eat foods, sacrifice to idols, Paul tells them that God was the creator of everything and God makes things good. He doesn't make bad things. However, you should build up others. And while you have the freedom to eat whatever it is that you'd like to, whether it's sacrifice to idols, if it makes somebody stumble, then you should give it up for their sake. You should do it for building up of others rather than for having your own 
um, freedoms being exemplified. And as people weren't sure how to practice head coverings or follow the Lord's Supper, things like that, um, in chapter 10, verse 31, um, Paul tells the church that, so whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything you should do should be for God's glory and not for your own, not for uh, seeking self-satisfaction. And so as he gets to the part about the spiritual gifts, Paul tells the church of Corinth that God's spirit is the one that grants us power. And so while gifts may seem, some gifts may seem more useful than others, and while some might be more showy than others, they are all meant to work in unison. And so that's when Paul gets to this illustration about the body with many members. And in essence, he's saying there is a diversity, but unity. And so as we look at the body me metaphor, the first section he talks about is that the church's work is the working members of the mind of Christ. Christ is our head. He is the one who makes our decisions. He's the one who should guide what we do. However, we were called to do greater things than Jesus, is what he said, um, what Jesus said when he was preaching to uh, his followers, and that we are the ones that are able to carry out his mission further than Jesus' life. It's more than just the three years of ministry that Christ was doing, or even the 33 years of his life. We've been Christians for over 2,000 years. We've been seeking and following to do God's will in that matter, as well as believers before us. And so it's God's spirit that enables us. And as people receive the Holy Spirit, they become working members of the body. They become functional parts that are to be used by Christ and be used by God to do God's will. Then as we go on to the second section where it starts discussing if the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body. As he addressed this part, he's saying that each part plays a vital role and they all have important functions. And while functional... All... <laughs> sorry. Um, all of the members have value, no matter what. And while some may think they might be worthless, while they think they, not, they don't have as much value as others, each and every member plays a vital part in making the body work. Hands, you can walk on your hands. It happens, people can do it. However, a foot makes it a lot easier to walk. So <laughs> while you might think that, oh, it would be awesome to do all these things with your hand, the foot is essential in that it gives reprieve to your hand. It gives you a tougher surface to walk on. It is much more functional than what your hands might be able to do. And God has designated roles, but more than that, he designated all these roles with a purpose. There is a reason for everything being there. And so the diversity in the members, the different variety of members, creates a better body. And then in contrast, when you get to the next paragraph, when other parts are saying, well, we don't need... If the, if the eye says, I don't need a hand, or the head says to the feet, I don't need you, um, more useful members are no better than the other members. Um, those that may seem weaker that are, are often indispensable. Um, sounds a little silly, but like it's nice to have a liver and things like that. <laughs> um, they function, and they help you. However, other parts of your body, the outer skin, your organ, or your rib cage, things like that, your spine, are things that help protect it. And while some items might be more visible, might be stronger or more functional than that, um, on the outside, 
each part has a vital role. And so no part is necessarily indispensable. Um, and God has intertwined all the members of the body to make it better than what it could be with each member being individual. Um, and so with that being the case, there should be an empathy among members. So as you take that into what it looks like as Christians, um, as we serve in different capacities in the church, as we have different roles and different uh, parts that we play, even if it's cleaning up tables or if it is preaching on a Sunday night, <laughs> no role is greater than the other. Each one is vital to how the church can function, and they're all necessary. And no part should consider itself better than another, but also with that, each part can work together to build each other up. Uh, as after our luncheon that was mentioned earlier today, uh, there were some tables in this front area, and if they were still here, it might be a little bit weirder to talk up here because <laughs> there's already a bit of a divide. But <laughs> there would be a greater divide in that there would be nothing in front of me, and everybody would either be to one side or the other. Um, so what does all this have to do with anything? Um, well, I have the joy of transitioning the Sunday night services from the Ten Commandments to whatever we're doing next, which currently is some of the assistant ministers uh, to adults. Uh, we'll be giving sermons over the next couple of weeks. Um, we're also, as a, whole, as a church, transitioning from one chapter in our church life to another. Um, there's many positions that are shifting leadership and things like that, um, but we're also transitioning from a normal season into the Christmas season. So I have to somehow combine all these into one sermon. <laughs> um, but there is something that ties all these together. And what might you ask is that? Well, it's a still more excellent way. Love, what you heard earlier. Love, being patient, being kind, not envy, not boasting, not being arrogant or rude. These are the things that tie the members of the body together that tie these different parts of our church life together um, that um, can be seen in this passage in Corinthians. Because with all the problems at Corinth, Paul's solution that he gave them was to glorify God in your body, to boast in him alone, to revere him, to love him more than anything else, and to cast out all impurities and unwholesomeness that would keep you from loving God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. And along with that, as it relates to the other members of the church body, Paul is calling them to love your neighbor, to forgive one another, forgive them for wronging you, humble yourself and serve others, uh, for put their sake above your own, don't think of yourself more than others. I liked how uh, Abraham earlier um, said one of the missions of his, his mission is uh, to serve, but as soon as he said serve, he said love, because serving and loving are almost equivalent. I think love probably goes a little bit deeper, but if you serve somebody, you love them. Um, it's hard to serve somebody without loving them. And so loving God, loving neighbor, these sound like the two greatest commandments. When Jesus was asked, what are the two greatest commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And what did he say those do? They sum up the Ten Commandments. Those two commandments, and all that, uh, in those two commandments, it sums up the entire law, including the Ten Commandments. 
and all the other 603 other ones that the Jews might have come up with afterwards. But also considering the transition that our church is going from, uh, to having a new adult minister, to having new music intern, to having a new children's minister or a new young adult minister coming soon, um, they are all parts of our representation of Christ in South Fort Worth. And so our roles as members, while these positions are changing, do not change as it relates to loving one another, to serving one another, all because God is our greatest love. As we love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and strength, that allows us and opens us to love others. And so that was one of the main draws for me and Heather to come to Gamble because the members here exemplified love to us. Um, me, probably by association, because everybody loves Heather. And so <laughs> um, I greatly appreciated the welcome and the service and um, what this church exemplified as it came to loving and serving others. And so there might be some people who are thinking, well, I still serve no matter who's in the leadership roles. I always will. Nothing, nothing's new to me. I'm going to keep doing the things. Um, but let me suggest that roles might change. Uh, I'm finding simply by getting older that how people respond to me is different than what I expected people thought of me. And I can't keep up with all the language of the young whippersnappers today and they're being on cap or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But <laughs> just simply, yeah. <laughs> I have no idea whatever these are. Um, but that's the thing. As just as you get older, as things change in your life and of the lives of those around you, your role and how you relate to others also will change. And while it's uncomfortable, especially to us Baptists, it is a part of life, and it is part of what God has in store for us. And so as the Spirit leads and guides us, we should embrace the changing roles that we have. Our main call is to love God and love others selflessly. And so is the role in which you're serving a beneficial role for somebody else? Is it something that you can help bring somebody alongside you so that they can serve in that way? Can you encourage people who are serving in a different way, or can you teach them uh, how to serve in a different way, and maybe some way that you've been serving in for a while so that we can continue to grow the, the body of the church. Um, is there a way that you can mentor somebody, that you can support somebody? And if you can't think of anybody, who should you be meeting in the church body that you can build up and encourage? And who can you go out of way to better build up the church? And who can you go out of your way to serve to help better build up the church? Um, and as in the example of the body having many members that some are more prominent, what protections can you give weaker members that they might be built up? And for younger members, newer members, who can you look to to learn from? And who have you told that you appreciate what they do recently? How can you support them in fulfilling their roles? I think a, a good question that we can all ask ourselves is what way, in what ways can I make this body healthier? How can I make the body of Gamble Street Baptist healthier? In the passage that talks about the, the foot not seeking to be a hand, um, you should also not necessarily step on the toes of other people. <laughs> We're also, God has given us specific roles and comes along with loving God wholeheartedly and seeking him wholeheartedly 
is that you should do what God calls you to do and not seek to just be a good church member and serve in every capacity that you can. Because oftentimes that overstretches us. And again, while a hand you can walk on, you can juggle, you can listen better, I don't know. You can do lots of things with your hand, however, it might wear out your hand. It might cripple your hand, and it might make it less functional as a hand if you try and seek and serve in areas that God's not leading you to serve in and not calling you to, to serve in. And so, again, the solution is to love God wholeheartedly. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And as he leads you, find ways to serve and love others and build them up so that they might serve and love God wholeheartedly and that you can encourage them as well. And so what ties does all this have to Christmas? Well, in Paul's admonition, uh, it comes from teaching them proper doctrine. And at the end of the letter, Paul reminds the church at Corinth that Christ's resurrection is the thing that holds us all together. Without Christ coming and dying and being raised, we would have no spirit. And without the spirit, we are dead in our sins and workers of flesh. We'd only do things that would divide us even more. Our diversity would tear us apart. But rather than the diversity tearing us apart, there is unity despite our diversity because of God's spirit living in us. And the spirit came because Christ died on the cross and rose again. And Christ died on the cross because God had in mind to redeem his fallen creation ever since the beginning. And he knew that it would require humbling humbling himself, loving us, and becoming like us, being born as a small child or a tiny human, as some of my coworkers like to say. Um, we love because God first loved us, and we can serve others and love others because of what God has done for us. And so in this Christmas season, in this time of transition, I pray that we would remember these things and that uh, though we are a diverse group of members, that being unified and building each other up and supporting each other is what God has us called to. It is following his greatest commands in loving God first and foremost and then loving others as ourselves. And Paul reminds the church at Corinth to be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord our labor is not in vain. So I would remind, I would, um, encourage that for us as well today. And let me call you to love God and love your church body and the church as much as you love yourself, as you love your neighbor. And so at this time, if there is a response that you have, if there is something God's calling you to, if there's confession you need to make, if there is a um, prayer you need to say before God, if there is something you want to seek um, out from God as to how you can serve better, how you can love better, and who you can encourage, who you can help. Um, we'll have a time that you can respond. There will also be the number and the text uh, ability for those who are online. And so with that, uh, let us pray. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Gamble Street Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. If you have questions, we would love to speak with you. Please call 817 926 1785 to speak with a minister. If you live in or will be traveling to the Fort Worth area, we would love to have you visit. Gambrel Street Baptist Church has six church goals to reach the lost for Christ, to learn more about Christ, to touch the city through Christ, to train leaders to serve Christ, to embrace the world with Christ, 
and to build strong families in Christ. Please join us for our next episode.